The Trouble with Transformation, a serialised podcast by Alison Wick. Chapter 28, What Happened Next. So Dad, I think you can guess what happened next, but let me fill you in on the details. Danny, Betty and I followed Mr and Mrs J back to the 1950s malt shop and we all made ourselves hot chocolates from the fancy chrome beveled machine. None of us touched the coffee. I don't know about Danny or the others, but my nerves weren't craving any added zing. We didn't go light on the cream and chocolate sauce. We were not sparing with the marshmallows. It was an occasion that demanded the works. The Jansons listened attentively, even Betty, who was hearing the full story for the second time that night. I may have added a bit more colour during the additional retelling. In the lab, I'd given the abridged version. Now that we had a captive audience, and fully aware the Jansons' cooperation depended on the merits of our mission, I lingered over the more dramatic moments. Dr Wilson, disguising himself as a waiter, and delivering his message during a school excursion, in broad daylight. Our ill-fated rendezvous in the schoolyard, how we narrowly missed coming face to face with Dr Wilson's killer. The waves closing over us as we navigated the rock wall at the ocean baths. I paused at the points where I knew Danny would want to elaborate, how we'd figured out Dr Wilson's code was linked to a locker at the surf club, the discovery of the blueprints inside a fake Grammy. Mr Jansen laughed so hard at that. When we finished, Mrs Jansen grabbed Mr Jansen's hand and said, You must help them build that machine, Stephen. How are they going to get on otherwise? They're only kids. I'd love to say we cruised it in from that point, that Mr J cracked open his lab, laid out his brilliant expertise, his even more brilliant array of tools and lab equipment, that building your machine was as simple as following the steps in a Lego manual. But we both know that didn't happen. What I will say was those first few months at the Jansons, with all of us, even Betty, getting stuck in and trying to figure out how to build your confounded contraption, were possibly the most brilliant of my life. After school, Danny and I would walk home through the back streets, where Betty and Bruce would roll up beside us. We'd jump into Freya the Sunbeam Talbot and shoot off to Oka Plains, straight to the lab where Mr and Mrs J were waiting. We stayed over at the Jansons as often as we could get away with, which turned out to be a lot. Kat was pretty caught up with preparations for the Bottlenose Beach annual charity ball. Danny's mum was also surprisingly relaxed about the whole thing, since she thought Mr Jansen was tutoring both him and Betty. Which he kind of was. Mr Jansen broke up the task of building the machine into mini work groups. Mrs J and Betty were building the casing. Danny was doing the electricals. But I got the best job. Under Mr J's watchful eye, my assignment was to mix a variety of fuel ratios. He developed all sorts of biofuels, ones like the pear schnapps used to power Freya. Ones that he'd extracted from unusual sources. My favourite was a luminescent green fuel Mr J had extracted from a jellyfish that lives 4,000 metres under the ocean. We had to do all the work in a sealed cupboard where only our heavily protected arms could poke through. Every so often we'd get the fuel balance off and a mini explosion would set off in the hood. We were only working with tiny amounts, so they were tiny explosions. But it was awesome. At least it was for a while, until I got sidelined. 
Now, before you start to wonder what I did to get me taken off the project team, let me expressly say that it wasn't my fault. Someone was following us, or to be more specific, someone was following me. Whenever I joined Betty and Danny on the ride to Oka Plains, we had the same experience as that first time. A car would suddenly appear out of nowhere and chase us to the wall. I'd grown almost to enjoy Bruce's fast, hairy driving, but that was beside the point. If someone was following us, it stood to reason they knew what we were up to, and if they knew what we were up to, chances were they were also the person who killed Dr. Wilson. That was enough to put us all on edge. We thought it was all about the machine, but everything changed one week when Kat asked me to stay home to help with the decorations for the ball. Danny went over to the Jansons three times without me, and to everyone's surprise, they weren't followed. The next time I came over, the Jansons sat me down and delivered the bad news. This was still my mission, but it was too risky for me to come over. I was a liability. Mr J said in his usually tactful way, How would it be if I had to front up to your dad and say, Well, we managed to build your machine all right, but we got your daughter killed in the process. Trust me, as a father I can imagine how that conversation would go. Light-headed as I was at the thought of being the specific target, I liked the idea of being left out even less. But you have the compound. I'm probably safer with you. Hmm, Mr J said, then retreated into what appeared to be a storage cupboard. He returned with a little silver box in his hand. Take this home with you and place it next to your window for the next few nights. Then we'll see. It was a long-range sensor designed to detect any unusual patterns of behaviour. It could distinguish between cars, the sound of an engine, the chemicals it released, the warm silence of an electric. It could pick up the slowing of feet, of body heat hovering near the perimeter of the house. We'll know, Mr J said. If someone is holding you under surveillance, in six days' time, we will know. After six days and six nights, I brought the sensor to school and held it out to Betty. When can we find out? I asked, fingers drumming the silver casing. Daddy already has the data, she said, with downcast eyes. It transmits directly to the lab. And? I leaned forward. She shook her head. I'm sorry. So there was me done. I was out. Danny could spend several nights a week at Oka Plains, but if the Jansons were going to keep working on the machine, I had to keep a low profile until the finals. And if that wasn't sour enough fruit to suck on, I had to scrounge for second-hand updates from Danny, which wasn't easy. These days, we were hardly ever alone.